What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Niners Nation podcast. Today is the Gold Standard, episode 24 of the Gold Standard. Levin, it is the Kwan Williams edition, or if you prefer, the Anthony Dixon edition of the show. Uh, Booby Dixon, you mean? Yes, same man. Uh, either or, I guess. Just by the way, I have to interject this. Levin right now is wearing the... I don't know what that is. It's a it's a t-shirt. It's like a jersey t-shirt of Colin Kaepernick from Super Bowl, what is that? 52? I don't remember the Super Bowl the Niners uh, were in in 2012. I think it's 47. Could be wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, see my numer- Roman numeral reading is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> what made you bring that out today? Uh, I woke up and it was hanging on my dresser cuz my wife had washed it. I thought, huh? Well, might as well. Well, there you go. So we're going to do a couple of things. First, I want to remind you, rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. As always, we really do appreciate it. Had a review yesterday, Levin, that was very complimentary of Niner Nate and Leo Luna and Akash. No mention of you or me or Kyle Posey. I don't know what happened, but we got left out in the cold. Is it time to pass the torch? I mean, <laughs> we started we this thing. We were here like a whole week before anybody else. <laughs> that is true. And that throws me off every week because we are one episode ahead of everybody else. A couple of things we want to do today. It is inauguration day as we are recording this. So we had a thought. Don't worry. We're not going crazy political here on you. But we just had a thought looking ahead to the 49ers roster. Is Who do we definitely know? will be part of this organization in four years. Because I don't know about you, Levin, but I think the list is very, very small. Uh, Yes. Well, first, I need a clarification from you. Is four years 2024 season or after the 2024 season? Because the 2024 season would be the fourth season from now. I think four years from now. Okay. So that, that would mean 2025 date, which would be... Four full seasons have been played, and who is still left? Correct. Okay. Well, then I don't have a list because my list is nobody. (laughs) So we'll get into that, and then we're going to take a break. I guess it's going to be a shorter segment than I thought. Uh, And then we want to go into another thing because your friend and mine, Trent Baalke, is now a general manager once again. He will be the GM for the Jacksonville Jaguars working with Urban Meyer, which is just like the ultimate troll job to Jim Harbaugh, which I just find great. But I, I had a thought yesterday, and I wanted to run it past you. Is Trent Baalke the greatest 49ers heel turn of all time? And if you don't follow wrestling and you don't know what that means, basically someone that we used to love that we now hate. So we're going to get into both of those things. But I, I'm surprised that you say nobody when I, if we, as we get into our first topic here. In four years, I think it's a short list, but I think there are some people on it. Why do you say you're not even putting Kyle Shanahan on the list? Oh, okay, well, if we're going coaches, yes, Kyle Shanahan, although I would say he's the only one. I would not guarantee 100% John Lynch, for instance. You know, Agreed. I, I guess there is one person. It would be Fred Warner would be the only one because he's going to get his extension this offseason and it will be at least four years like he, he's the only one I would I would say well even then because he might only get a four-year deal and you never know like 
I think that's probably my point here. If you're saying 100%, I have to say this guy, no doubt, will still be on the team after four four full seasons from now. I put nobody on that list because if Fred Warner gets a four-year re-up and he has injuries or the Niners are in cap hell, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen to where they can't re-sign him or they choose not to sign him. Maybe Dre Greenlaw has emerged as an all-world linebacker and they have another young one, so they decide to go with Greenlaw. Who knows? You know, there's so many things. Like, I feel like unless somebody's already signed and has a contract that would be still on the team for the 2025 season, you can't say anybody's a lock. The only person I would have said that is if you had a true franchise quarterback that's young enough to still be playing. So if the Niners were to get, say, Deshaun Watson, he would be a 100% lock because you're not moving on. But if they were to get somebody like, say, Matt Stafford, he might be retired by then. Like, you can't say he's 100%. Uh, You you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, if they stick with Jimmy Garoppolo this year, I would say it's unlikely he's still here in, uh, you know, after four or more seasons. Like, there's nobody else. And I think a lot of Niner fans first reaction would be to push back, right? No, no, Kyle will be here. Debo will be here. Ayuk will be here. What about Kittle? What about Armstead? I feel like the the first reaction, because it's a scary thought, right? That literally the entire roster could turn over in one presidency. But that's the situation in the NFL. I agree with you. I think it's Kyle Shanahan one, Fred Warner two. And to me, that is it. There is nobody else I can say 100% lock it in. They will definitely be here. And I don't know, do you think that's normal NFL or do you just think that sort of speaks to the state of the 49ers roster right now? Uh, I would say sort of both, really. I mean, the reality of the NFL is people staying on one team for more than four years or in this case, five, because we're in a at this time talking about players that played last season and trying to project them playing four more. So five years. It, it it's rare. It doesn't happen that often. There will be undoubtedly, like, it, it, let me put it this way. If this question was phrased as what's the over under of players who are still on the roster four years from now, I would choose a number higher than one, meaning, yeah, I would be willing to guarantee somebody that's on the roster right now is still around then. But that's a different question. If you're telling me I have to single out who that is, nobody's a 100%. Like, I would not take anybody at a full 100%. So I I think that's a clarification that should be made. Like, we don't think the entire roster is going to turn over. It's just you can't pick any one player. And I started to look at it, and like, because there are a lot of young players here. So I started to think, well, let me see. Like, Bosa? Nick Bosa's future is crazy up in the air. That's like all these people that say, oh, you can't trade him for Deshaun Watson. Like he literally might not be on the team in four years very easily. Number one, we have no idea how he's going to come back from injury. So we don't know his quality of play, if that will warrant the money that he's going to want. Number two, we don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy for four years. We have no idea what that's going to be. And the Bosa's, to their credit, are very good negotiators. They know their worth. They are not afraid to play hardball when it comes to contract negotiations, which you're going to have to do with Nick Bosa. I could easily see a scenario where the 49ers sort of go the the DeForest Buckner route with Bosa and try and work it out. But if they can't, move him to get assets. His future is very much up in the air. Correct. Like, There's a lot of ways he could break. 
if he has three more healthy seasons for the Niners using their fifth-year option, he is almost definitely probably getting an extension. I think he would be at that level of a player. Okay, he's had three perfectly healthy seasons. He's almost definitely a lock to have dominated, be one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. You have to re-sign him. Like Edge rushers are, in my opinion, the second most valuable uh, commodity in the NFL next to the quarterback, unless you want to count head coaches, because it would be, I mean, I guess that would be an interesting debate, head coach or quarterback, but, you know, those two are the easy top two, and then you have an edge rusher. But say he blows out his knee another time, or he, like you said, he's already a play, an edge rusher who's not known for speed. He has enough speed to be dominant. But let's say he loses a step. Uh, he suddenly becomes somebody that is no longer dominant because he, if he loses a step, he doesn't have enough steps to get to the quarterback yeah. consistently. Like he will be too slow, even if he beats his man still using his moves and technique, which is his real strength, he would be too slow to chase down a quarterback. Too many times the quarterback would get away. I mean, there's a lot of ways it could break. Now, I think one interesting thing I'll throw out there to you is once Kittle's contract expires, which is after four seasons, he would be a free agent. I would argue that I would be willing to put a decent wager in that he would not be somebody I would want to re-sign. And what I mean by that is he's going to be coming out of his prime years. He's an injury-prone player. And he's somebody that doesn't – Kittle is amazing, but he's not a Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, in terms of receiving, is a dominant route runner. He, he's as good of a route runner at tight end that there's ever been. Now, the people who tend to do well when they age as receivers are people who can run routes like crazy people, you know, people who are the best route runners. That's not Kittle. He's still not a great route runner. He's just an athletic freak who is good enough as a route runner and has dominated every other thing. So I would argue that he's somebody that's not going to age particularly well, especially with the injuries already piling up. I think that's an interesting debate. Well, but the, and I agree with you as to where Kittle is right now, but I think he can improve his route running. That's something that I think, you know, as you get older, you would assume would hopefully get better. And I think you know, if he starts to see his physical skills decline a little bit, maybe he realizes, hey, this is where my Ed, you know, this is where I can sort of gain a little bit back. And so maybe he really works really hard at that in the offseason. So hopefully he can get better. But by that point, he'll be, I think, 31. He's not going to be cheap because I'm sure by that point he's going to have many more Pro Bowls and, and all that, all those accomplishments piling up. So even though I think he would be interested in coming back, especially if Kyle is still here, that's one where the team, like you're saying, they might say, mm, thanks, but no thanks. Right. I think it, it, it could be like a Tony Gonzalez situation. Like that, That's the stage in his career that he would be, and that's the stage in the career that Tony Gonzalez left Kansas City. Kansas City didn't want to give him a massive deal because he had entered his 30s. Now, we know in hindsight, they probably should have given Tony Gonzalez another contract because he ended up being really good through his thirties, but that's the anomaly. I mean, Antonio Gates wasn't very good in his thirties. Shannon Sharp was still good in his thirties, but certainly was down from his peak. I mean, it's an interesting debate, but I mean, really 
I think that is Nick Bosa and George Kittle. And the only other one I would throw out there is you got Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. If either one of them, or I guess you could put Kinlaw there, if any of them are in a second contract, they're good enough to where you want to re-sign them, that means they're here. Because Debo has two more years, so if he gets a second contract, it's going to be at least three years, means he's here. You know, and Ayuk and Kinlaw have potentially four more years because they were first-round picks, and you can use mm-hmm. a fifth-year option. So any second contract means they're still on the team. I would put those three, in reality, along with Fred Warner, the most likely ones to still be here. Yeah, I think some of it also depends on the quarterback situation. Because, like, we think Ayuk is really good, and we think Debo's really good, but we also think that they could be sort of unlocked with a more consistent quarterback. And so, you know, if we don't have that over the next four years, maybe we, you know, we start to think, well, maybe Brandon Ayuk isn't as good as we thought. Maybe he's just a guy and we don't need to resign him. Maybe Debo is, he's too much of a gadget player. We need a real wide receiver, which could ultimately be the wrong view, but we just don't get to see what they can fully develop into because they don't have the quarterback there that can get them the ball as consistently as we'd like. And it can go the other way. If we do get that quarterback, there's a good chance they put up monster numbers. I would argue, especially Brandon Ayuk, because he can be a downfield threat. If Brandon Ayuk, four years from now, is coming out of his rookie contract, fifth-year option, has been an all-pro or a pro bowler a couple of times, he's going to be asking for massive money. And I would argue that Kyle probably falls in the line of unless somebody is a true generational talent. Like I think Kyle would argue, yeah, you pay a Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I don't think he's big on paying a wide receiver. Like he, it's his system. His system is going to succeed. He can find rookies. He can find, you know, undervalued people like Kendrick Bourne to be good enough at wide receiver. His system will be fine. It's just a crazy thought to to think about, you know, you ask in a vacuum, like, would you trade this person? Would you trade this person? And, you know, you have your reaction, yes, no, either way. But then when you sort of zoom out and think, well, how many of these people are probably going to be here anyway in four years? I feel like that makes me more willing to part with people. I mean, I think I've made my stance pretty well known on Twitter. Nobody's untouchable on this team. Not when it concerns a possible trade for Deshaun Watson. Are certain people... I would argue untouchable with Matt Stafford. Yes. I would not trade Nick Boza in a deal that involves Matt Stafford. He's too old, you know, and he's starting to have injuries pile up. So, I mean, but Deshaun Watson is likely to be on the market. So that means in terms of this off season, it might sound like a hot take, but in reality, nobody on this roster is untouchable because if Houston comes and says, give me Nick Boza and a seventh round pick and Deshaun Watson is yours. Every single person in this organization would say, heck yes. Why did you even ask my opinion? Go ahead and accept it. Like there's nobody in this organization that would say, well, hold on. Let's counter that. No. Like if if all they want is Nick Bosa, they're making the trade. Now the likelihood of Nick Bosa being traded, I would put very, 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 very slim The only way that happens, if Houston says, we will absolutely not trade Watson to you, we will trade him somewhere else unless you give us Bosa, and you've countered that a couple of times, and they come back with the same answer saying, we're about to accept this other offer unless you include Nick Bosa in a deal. So put up or shut up. 
then yes, you include Nick Bosa. But that doesn't mean he's untouchable. Like he he is touchable. You will include him if it's required. And I think the 49ers think that. They don't love it, but I think they understand what you would be getting and what it takes to get that kind of quarterback. Okay, let's take a break. And on the other side of the break, we're going to get into a little discussion that I mentioned earlier. Is Trent Baalke, now that he is back as a general manager, the biggest 49ers heel turn of all time? Welcome back to the Niners Nation podcast. Okay, Levin, I've been teasing it all show. I've been really looking forward to it. I think it's just a fun topic to get into. And that is, now that Trent Baalke is a new GM again, is he the greatest 49ers heel turn of all time? Uh, No, I don't even think he's particularly close. I mean, he's on the list, but he's not close. So when when you first proposed this to me, I started trying to go through try to create a list, try to figure out. And I had this feeling like right off the bat, I was like, I feel like there's somebody that's obvious. And I couldn't think of it at first. And I eventually figured it out. And I think he's clearly has to be the choice and that there's no argument. But I mean, first, so the first person who popped in my head was Mike Holmgren, just because left the team, went and made an MVP quarterback who beat out Steve Young for some MVPs, played and beat the Niners two years in a row and then went to be the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So I thought, well, but then he's not really a heel. I mean, and that's what I got stuck on was to be a heel, there has to be kind of malice. There has to be meanness. And Holmgren's like a big teddy bear. Like, I don't think anybody in Niner (laughs) fandom hates Holmgren. You know, there's not hatred there. Right. You know, and and so I started thinking, who's a loudmouth? Who's somebody that could piss us off? Got to Deion Sanders. But that one doesn't make sense. He only spent one year here. Like, yeah, he won a defensive MVP, but he only spent one year here. And I don't think there was any true animosity. I mean, there there's a little bit, but you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like vile, hate-filled animosity, which takes Charles Haley out as well. And so I kept trying to get to this person. I couldn't think of it. And like somebody like Dana Stubblefield popped in my head because he was here a long time. He left after winning defensive player of the year just because he wanted money came back and obviously he's in jail right now for rape so I thought well I mean that that's a really bad person kind of went from hey he's our defensive MVP to you know forget that guy but he didn't come after the franchise itself and I actually started to settle on Tio because he was you know, the catch too. Everybody loved him. He was a loud mouth. He literally went after the quarterback while still on the team, saying some homophobic <laughs> things about the quarterback, went after the coach, went after the franchise, forced his way out, and then had a public feud with the franchise for more than a decade. Only recently got brought back in the fold. I think he's number two. I finally got to the number one guy. And I'm being long-winded here on purse. Yeah, land the plane. (laughs) The guy I came to, he spent six years with the team, won multiple titles. He left. He got into a very public feud with the team because he spit on a player on Monday Night Football. And then three years later, starts bad-mouthing the team again. He was so bad that he's probably, I would put him in the top five most universally hated players in NFL history by all franchises. And I'm talking about Bill Romanowski. That's pretty good. He spent his first six years with the Niners 
and then left in free agency, ended up going to Denver. There was a 1997 Monday Night Football game where he got caught spitting on J.J. Stokes, and it was so bad. Like I went back and I, I found some old articles and was reading about it. It was so bad. So I was only 12 at the time, so I don't remember a whole lot of it. I just remember hating Bill Romanowski. <laughs> but it was so bad that when the NFL fined him 7500 and that was it, his own teammates, including Shannon Sharp, released a letter to the media saying the punishment was too light. And they're <laughs> mad at the NFL because they said that there was racist things involved as well. And just spitting in general. But then three years later, he takes it up a notch. Three years later, they're about to play the Niners again. He starts bad-mouthing the Niner franchise. Garrison Hurst responds and says some things. And Romanowski, like, so Hurst called him a racist dope pusher because he was known for steroids. I mean, that that's really bad. And Romanowski came back with pulling the whole Aaron Donald thing. He said, who is that? Oh, I didn't realize he was still in the league. Isn't he always injured? <laughs> like, it's got to be this guy. Like, he fits everything. He checks every box. He is, like, he even acts like a heel. Like, he is a classic heel character. I have to say, that's pretty good. Because the one thing I feel like, in order to be a real heel, if he were to show up at Levi Stadium, he's not getting cheered. Like, that has to be part of it, for sure. And the extended, you know, the length of his feud with the team, I think, is really good. The the things he said about them, the spitting, like you mentioned, that is pretty good. That may be the winner. I don't think you give Dion enough credit, like, because he came in, they won the Super Bowl, it was awesome, but he, he feuded with Jerry the whole time, and he left to go to the Cowboys. Like, he didn't just leave. He went to the biggest rival who had just beaten them two straight years in the playoffs. And guess what happened after he goes to the Cowboys? They won the Super Bowl again. So I think there is some animosity with Dion. I don't just shrug it off. I think Romanowski has the bigger claim for sure. One guy you didn't mention, and I think he deserves a mention. I don't think he deserves the title, is Ricky Waters. Ricky Waters came in and was great with the 49ers and was a big reason they won the Super Bowl. And I think it was I think it was Steve Young that recently said that if they had kept Ricky Waters, they would have won another Super Bowl, which is pretty amazing considering he's a running back. But I mean, Ricky left that team. They were a great team had every reason in the world to stay and it didn't work out for him and it didn't work out for the team. Yeah, I mean, so the problem I have with Dion is when Dion is brought up now to Niner fans, Niner fans don't go, oh, I hate that guy. They're like, True. oh, he was so good. I wish we kept him. Like, there's not animosity there. And I think that's part of it. Like, there has to be a lasting animosity, which is why I eliminated another guy. I didn't mention this guy because he's clearly not even on the – shouldn't be on the list because he's the best player in franchise history. But if he wasn't that and he was somebody that was just, like, really good for the Niners for a long time – like Jerry Rice would be hated, but the fact that he was so good and he's been, he went to the Raiders. You're giving me a look. He went to the Raiders and they ended up being good. He literally went to the Raiders because he threw a temper tantrum over not being number one anymore because T.O. had emerged. Like he was a jerk in his, at the end of his tenure in San Francisco. The thing is he had so much capital with the franchise that everybody's just forgotten it. And I agree, like, forget it. It's water under the bridge. Like, 
Jerry, and Jerry Rice is like a huge, you know, banner person for the team now. Like he is a big ambassador for the 49ers. So, you know, I don't think there's any real animosity, which is why I said he, he doesn't even really deserve to be on the list. But like if that was almost anybody other than Joe Montana, Steve Young, or Jerry Rice, three people who have massive capital in the franchise, if there's anybody else in franchise history, I think he would be a pretty good candidate for the heel. Yeah, I guess. But like he's never bad mouthed the team after leaving. I agree. He he was not pleased with how things ended and things that end usually do not end well. But I mean, he's he's on the 49ers Mount Rushmore. He's 49ers royalty now. It didn't end well. I agree. Um, you mentioned Terrell Owens. Like people like him now. Like he's not a heel for the 49ers at all right now. He was back then. But now people like him. I, I don't think he's a 49ers heel at all. I mean, he's he's my favorite player, like, of all time. He, I mean, I, I wore his jersey every Sunday for, like, eight straight years, many years after he was gone. I mean, I've talked about that on this show. But, like, still, if you post something on Twitter, like, praising T.O. or something, you will get Niner fans. They will be outnumbered, but you will still get Niner fans that post on there and say, screw that guy. Well, those people are idiots. He's still not well-liked. Like, he still has a good bit of um, people in the franchise that do not like him. Yeah, those people don't know what they're talking about, let's be honest. Also, (laughs) Tino tried to play for the 49ers since leaving, so that helped. He can't really be a heel if he's tried to get back on the team. Uh, Yes and no. I mean, he, he has selfish motivations, which I don't blame him. I mean people want to play. So, but I mean, it was a bad breakup. He, like I said, he basically tried to say Jeff Garcia was gay while still on the team, called out the coach many times while still on the team, forced his way off the team and then bad mouthed the franchise for the better part of the rest of his career, whenever it was brought up, which wasn't all that often, but like he had a pretty public feud with the Niners there for quite a long time but he's been brought back in. I do think that he has a pretty good argument for number two on the list. It's just, I think there's a mile between Romanowski and anybody else. Yeah. The Romanowski pick, I did not have him on my, the names I wrote down were Deion Sanders, Ricky Waters, Terrell Owens, Charles Haley, and Trent Balky. And that's why we're talking about this again is because Balky is now the GM of the Jags. Like people forget. So Trent Balky was with the team for 12 years. He wasn't, he was a GM for six, but he was a huge part of the scouting department for 12 years. And in that time, the 49ers had 24 all pro selections and 35 pro bowl selections. Like that is incredible. That is a massive, massive accomplishment. And people kind of gloss over that because Balky is remembered for drafting guys with torn ACLs and hating Jim Harbaugh and pretty much every other coach that he ever worked with. But, like, his contribution to the team was immense. Uh, yes, as a scout. He was a phenomenal scout. But when he got to be the, the person who calls the shots, he is quite literally up there for one of the worst GMs in the 2000s. Like, there, there's no question on that. Like, I posted his, his drafts on Twitter, and I went through, like, every year of his drafts. I'm trying to get it pulled up here so that I can talk about it uh, better. But he has horrendous drafts. So I got it pulled up here. And he not only has bad drafts, like 
It's consistent. And he has the 2012 draft might be the worst draft any franchise has ever had. It's horrid. <laughs> oh, like, 2012, the best player was Joe Looney, who was just yeah. like a backup who barely played and had an eight-year NFL. I mean, he's still technically in the league. I think he's like on the bottom of somebody's roster. He's the only guy, the only guy in that entire class that played more than four years in the NFL. Only guy. The number one pick was a wide receiver who never – or wait, did A.J. Jenkson have one catch, I think, for the team? I was going to say he never caught a pass, but I think he had – he either had zero or one. I think he had one in his whole career for another team, something like that. But that's like the worst possible uh, first-round pick. It's got to be – right there with the worst first round pick because he literally didn't see the field. <laughs> and then you didn't get anything out of any of the other picks other than a backup guard who never played because backup guards don't play. Well, LaMichael James had a couple good plays. Yeah. A couple good <laughs> plays. He played, he played 2012 to 2015. Like the amount of guys who got a second contract in the NFL is Joe Looney. That's the only person who got a second contract. He and did some good picks, though, too. Come on, let's be fair. He had, he had a few good picks, but who doesn't when you have so many picks? I mean, like, so the next year, Eric Reed, good pick. The next best player in that draft class, which, by the way, had like 12 picks, 12 picks, including three in the first two rounds. The next best player after Eric Reed is Vance McDonald, who was traded because he wasn't doing well enough. Now, Vance McDonald, he's been okay. He's not terrible. But he was traded because he wasn't doing well enough. Like, what is there? I mean, he spent – that's the Marcus Lattimore draft. It, it's literally – his good drafts are, well, he had a good first pick. And that's about it. Like, the next year, Jimmy Ward. Okay, that's a really good pick. Jimmy Ward has proven to be pretty darn good. And then he also had Carlos Hyde, who I would say isn't a complete bust. But he wasn't that good. And then you have Chris Borland. This is his best draft, by the way. His best draft – is Jimmy Ward, Carlos Hyde, and then Chris Borland, who I think you have to say was a great pick. Nobody could have predicted he would retire after one year, but he was literally looking like a future pro bowler, great linebacker in that one year, and then he just unexpectedly quit. But that's three players. Other than that, he has like Dante Johnson and Aaron Lynch. Dante Johnson's still on the roster. Well, he's come back. He's not a bad pick in the fourth round but he's not like a huge home run. And this is a draft. Literally, he did have 12 picks in this draft. He had five picks in the first three rounds. And he comes out, other than Jimmy Ward, with no big home runs. Carlos Hyde, okay. But, I mean, he's had an okay career, but is he what Niner fans hoped he would be? No. Like, 12 picks, and half of them barely or never saw the field. And that's his best draft. I, I understand they were some misses in there, but I, I you know, I, I just think that people think of him as contributing nothing to the team. And that's just not true. It just it ended badly. And, and I think people view him as also the biggest reason that Harbaugh was fired. And that may well, be true, although Harbaugh may also be the biggest reason. Well, OK, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think there's I think the, the perception of him is warped, especially the, the five picks he spent between 2013 and 2014 on guys coming off significant knee injuries, including picks in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. Like, that is what crushed him. 
I think the tolerance for GMs, when you seemingly keep making, everyone makes mistakes, but when you keep making the same mistake over and over and over again, that's when people really lose patience with you. Like I look at his tenure this way, his six years as a scout. Great. One, you know, one of the best scouts, it's probably what earned him another job as a GM because he's doing well in in uh, Jacksonville in that role. His six years as a GM is by far much more negative than positive. Did he have a few good picks? Yeah. But who doesn't when he literally made like 60 picks in his six years? And he caught, arguably cost us Jim Harbaugh. And then you have the whole relationship with the media where anytime he wanted, he would go leak crap to the media. Like he literally <laughs> did crap like, oh, Jim Harbaugh likes this player in the draft. I'm going to leak that we're really, really interested. So somebody else will take them before it gets to our pick. So that Jim doesn't have that as an option to argue with me. Like he's that much of a that he literally would use the media to wage his wars. And like, it's got to be said, like when this announcement became official, people beat writers who are normally stay away from the fray. They don't like to put their opinion into things. We're literally posting things that he did. Yes. Negative things. Like, All of that. Them. That speaks volumes for those beat writers to actually go through the trouble of coming out and saying, this is the guy that did this. I do think it's interesting that Jacksonville and Urban Meyer have just chosen to give Jim Harbaugh a giant middle finger. I mean, Meyer embarrassed him multiple times when Ohio State played Michigan, every time, really. And not only that, he hires Trent Bulky, the one person in the NFL that Jim Harbaugh hates the most. If the Jags have success, that is just going to be a huge middle finger. I'm now rooting for Jim Harbaugh. It's like, please let the Texans hire Jim Harbaugh. Please let that happen. Obviously, I know he just got the new deal at Michigan, but like, I would love to see that. Wouldn't you love to see that? And then Harbaugh comes back and has to play them twice a year. Yeah, I would love to see Harbaugh back in the NFL. I mean, my wife literally talks about how she misses the ranting and raving on the sideline because it was fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I will. I just had a thought, and I don't know why I hadn't had this thought before. I don't think it's likely because I think his career is over. But if any team was to ever do it, it would be Jacksonville bringing in Kaepernick. Bulky was his GM, and Urban Meyer has enough control, has enough leverage to weather that storm. They don't need him. They got Trevor Lawrence. They're good. But nobody's bringing in Kaepernick as a starter. If he wants to be a backup and restart his career, that would be a really good backup to have for a rookie. Yeah, I mean, suppose it's possible. Who knows? I, yeah, I would love to see it, frankly. I think well, I, I saw those tweets going around because it was recently the anniversary of the Niners Seahawks championship game and, and Kaepernick throws the jump throw to Bolden, which is still one of the best throws I've ever seen. It's definitely one of the best throws I've ever seen a 49ers quarterback make. And we haven't had a guy with that kind of arm talent since then. No. Well, there's not that many people who have the arm talent Cap had. I mean, that was why he was a special talent. I mean, his accuracy was hit or miss at times, but in terms of cannon, he's up there in terms of all-time cannons for an arm. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to ever find arm talent on the level of Kaepernick, which is why it's ridiculous he never got another chance to play. But that's a different story that's been pretty much beaten to death at this point. But I do have one thing that I think we should touch on that, 
kind of happened while we were recording. It ended up being like right before we went on the air, but I don't think either one of us had seen this, and I just saw it. All right. Have you seen what Richard Sherman has tweeted? Yes, he's tweeted that he thinks Deshaun Watson should go to the Jets. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Like, why would he come out and say go to the Jets? Why would he, like... Because he's going one, to the Jets. Yeah, one, is he going to the Jets? Two, it seems odd, but is there animosity towards the Niners for not paying him again? Like, why would you come out and say go to New York when you know damn well the Niners are going to be interested? Like, it just seems very odd to me. Because he's not a 49er anymore. He hasn't been since like week 12 of this past season. Once he decided that that he was hanging it up and the team was eliminated from the playoffs, he was moving on. He was a free agent at that point. And I think that's where he views himself. I think he's going to go with Salah to New York. I'm not. I'm just counting the days till that happens. So it doesn't surprise me that he's telling Deshaun Watson to go there because why the hell wouldn't you want to play with Deshaun Watson? Yeah, but I mean, I'm just surprised he singled out a team. Like, that's the part that's like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, whatever. I get, like, I don't expect him to have any loyalty to the Niners. I mean, he's a Seahawk. He's always going to be a Seahawk. Like, that, it is what it is. I appreciate what he did for the Niners, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be remembered as a Niner. But I'm just, it's just odd to me for him to single out a team, to go out of his way to specifically mention a team when he knows, like, Kyle Shanahan would be perfect for Watson. Like, I just, I think it's odd, and I don't think we've seen it very often, if ever, that somebody has told somebody else to get out of there and come to this place, and it's not where that person's playing currently. Now, he might end up being there, but we don't know that at this point. Uh, I think we do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, I think that's exactly why he singled out a specific team. I mean, I, I think Richard Sherman has more value to the Jets and Robert Sala than any other team. He knows the system. Salah basically gives him the freedom to do whatever he wants on defense, whether it's like corner or safety or some weird combination of those two. And he knows Sherman is going to mentor guys and help establish the culture there. So I clearly think that that is going to be where Sherman ends up. And that's why he singled out the Jets for Deshaun Watson. And you know what? If it works, congratulations, man. More power to you. I mean, the Jets have easily the most capital. They have the easiest if they want him, they have the most logical package to put together. Put it that way. Yes. They, I mean, between picks and the value that you get out of them, I mean, just the number two spot in the draft, bam, you're Houston. You can immediately replace your quarterback. That's that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's actually brought something to my head that just, it shows the absurdity of the value of a draft pick at the time that draft is going to be happening. Like, look look at the package that people, like, if you look at history, that the Niners are going to have to pay if they want to jump from number 12 to number 2. We're talking about two first-round picks, at least another second-round pick, and probably a mid-round pick on top of that. What's the package people are throwing out there for Deshaun Watson? Three or four first-round picks. Like, there's not that huge of a difference between those two. And we're talking about moving up 10 spots in a draft? Or getting Deshaun Watson, like there's a mile between those two things, right? But the actual composition or compensation that you would have to trade to get either one of those is not that far off from each other. It just shows the absurdity uh, of the value of a draft pick at the time that it's going to be up. 
especially when you consider that half of these guys stink. Like that's the crazy thing. A pick before it is made is almost so much more valuable than the pick after it's made because of how these guys turn out. You know, you're paying for possibility essentially. Yeah. And that's why like, I wouldn't be upset if the Niners traded up, but I would prefer them to stay pat at 12. And, you know, if, if two of the – there's four four quarterbacks I would be ecstatic if the Niners ended up with out of this draft. Trevor Lawrence is definitely not happening. But you got Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson. I'd be happy with any of those three. The likelihood of all four of those quarterbacks with Lawrence going in the first 11 picks – I mean, it, there's a decent chance one of them is sitting there at 12 if you look at historic. And maybe if three of – say three of them go and you're sitting at like the 8th, ninth, 10th pick, I would that would be when I would go, okay, let's get up there and get the last one. You know, because all four of those I think are amazing. Now, Niners might not agree to that, but I don't think the Niners need to go to two or three. Like that that's my point. Like I would rather see them let it play out and either sit at 12 because say you're at the 10th pick and two of them are still sitting there, then just stay at 12. Or trade up to like the back half of the top 10 and spend a heck of a lot less in draft capital. But I don't know if you can just choose your quarterback from who's left. I don't want the scraps of other teams. I don't want the guy that nobody else picked. I want my guy. So if they decide that Zach Wilson is their guy, then you go get him wherever you need to go to get him. Don't just be satisfied with, whoever the other guys didn't think was good enough. But I don't think like I, one, I think there's four phenomenal prospects that all would do really well in Shanahan's system Two, who cares what other teams think. Like Josh Allen wasn't the first pick in his draft. He's easily the best quarterback. Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first quarterback taken in his draft. He's easily the best quarterback of his drafts. Like teams are wrong, especially a quarterback often. So you got to just go off your own evaluations. Like, right. Who cares what other teams want? If he's the fourth quarterback, who cares? But I, I think mean, all four of them are worth it, so who cares? Yeah, but if I decide that Zach Wilson's the guy, I'm not going to just sit and hope that other teams don't take him. I'm going to go get him. I'm not just going to sit back and take whoever happens to be left. Like, I get what you're saying. I just think these guys are all really good prospects. I think they're all relatively close in terms of greatness other than Trevor Lawrence being his floor is so high that he kind of he goes to a different level. We've we've had that debate. Don't worry. I won't go there. <laughs> but <laughs> um I think like if you're talking about okay, these guys are pretty close to each other in terms of uh right. scouting. I see your point. Being I think it's naive and arrogant at the same time to think we have to get that guy because I think that guy is definitely better. You don't know shit. Like, it, if you evaluate them pretty close to each other, especially at the quarterback position where so much of it you can't see on film because it's about the mental part of it and being able to read a defense quick enough. Like, if you think they're pretty close, you shouldn't be overspending just to go get the guy that you think is best. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't know. I go back and forth on that. You know, Kyle Shanahan was hired in part because he's supposed to be able to find that guy. So if you're not, you know, if you're going to trust him and do what you let him do, what you hired him to do, once he finds that guy, it's on you to go get that guy. Otherwise, what was the point of hiring him in the first place? Isn't that guy in uh, Minnesota? Oh, I found him. He's in Minnesota. Don't even. 
<laughs> oh man, Mike Florio has been trying to get Kirk Cousins on the 49ers for years, and I know he just wants them off the Vikings because he's a Vikings yeah. fan. <laughs> I'm sure that he has heard that there are rumblings of that because he wouldn't say it if he didn't. Trust, I know him. I wouldn't be shocked. Right. Put it that way. Especially considering Kyle's infatuation with Kirk Cousins. But there is part of Florio that wants to see Kirk Cousins off the Vikings because he's so frustrated by how he's played. But that's a that's an episode for another time. I think we've I think we've reached the end here. We remind you again to rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We appreciate all your reviews. Please keep them coming. We will I got be- one thing though. Okay. I'm not letting you do your complete sign off. I got one thing that I noticed while we were sitting here, and I have to bring up because it's hilarious. You have a new background for the people who can't see us. We can see each other, but you guys can't see the video. You have a new background with shelves. You got this professional look behind you. Yes. You got all these sports books. You got your diplomas. And then hidden behind a statue is an economics book. It's like, what? You just wanted to be like, well, hey, I like sports, but I'm smart too. So here's my economics book. No, you jerk. Here, I'm going to take it out the shelf for you, and then I'm going to make you read it. What is the title of this book? Ah, Sports ep- Economics. See, I couldn't see that because of the statue in front of it. Because you're too busy trying to be a wise ass, and you didn't read it. And now who looks stupid? You do. Well, nobody can see me, so. Trust me, you look <laughs> stupid. <laughs> That's it. Enjoy the day. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>